You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. For Panther fans who want to keep pounding. The ones who want an inside look at the vault. This is this 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 is views from Midstream. Now, here's your host, Lonzo Wrightsell and Rob Brown. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to your Monday recap edition of the Views from Mint Street podcast right here in Greenville, South Carolina and emanating to you no matter where you are around the world, free on the Odyssey app or wherever major podcasts are found. I am Rob Brown, joined, of course, as always by my co-host Lonzo Reitzel as we take a look back at the defeat yesterday, 24-10, to 10, your final score as the defending world champion Los Angeles Rams get the better of the Carolina Panthers, or at least the Carolina Panthers that were available to play considering the injury list yesterday was um, long and stupid. And then, of course, even with that, P.J. Walker had to exit the game after going 10 of 16 for 60 yards. We're going to talk all of that today. But before we do, Zoe, just your overall thoughts on what this game was. Well, I, you know what? I uh, I was happy in some parts. I, I definitely was. There's some things that, uh, that I thought we uh, should be doing, that the Panthers should be doing, and they did those things. Uh, there was an obvious problem, and uh, it was at the quarterback position, but that's been the problem for the entire year. And P.J. Walker is who he is. I mean, and then found out that uh, Jacob Eason actually still plays football and plays <laughs> for the Carolina Panthers. So so there's that. And also the fact that the Panthers were right there, had the lead at one point, and um, were right there for the entire game until, until the fourth quarter. You know, this game, let me tell you what I expected going into this game. I was hosting here on the Fan Upstate. I was hosting, uh, filling in for our host that does our Carolina Panther pregame show. And I got into a conversation with my guy, Diddy, who is the producer on that show. And, you know, he kind of asked, like, what do you expect out of this game? And my answer was... I expect the score to be somewhere around where Vegas projected it. We were a 10.5 point underdog, the largest underdog in the National Football League during this week's round of games. And I expected the final score to be around 11 points, 10.5, 11 points. And that's exactly where it ended up at 14, just a touch over the spread for the Rams. I told him that what I expected out of this game. What I expected out of this game was to learn exactly who wanted to be a part of the foundation of this team moving forward. We have entered a new era of Panthers football. 
right? We're, we're, we're in a new time period. The end of Matt Rule's tenure in Charlotte is going to be something that we mark down as a, a point in history of this franchise. And the question is, do we get better or not? In order for us to have our optimism pay off, and, and, and I don't know about the rest of you, I am cautiously optimistic about the future of the Carolina Panthers. But in order for that cautious optimism to pay off here, what we are going to need is a good foundation. The good news for the Panthers is that on paper, the foundation's there. We've got the talent to be a 7- or 8-win football team and to threaten a 10- or 11-win football team with the right coaching, the right guys, the right job, the right time, the right place. But that foundation on paper only matters if it translates Two guys getting it down, uh, getting it done on the field. So what I was looking for out of that game yesterday was fight, not a win. I didn't expect a win. In fact, I expected a double-digit loss, just like we got. I expected fight. I wanted at the end of that game to be able to point to players and put them into one of two groups: either the guys that are there to fight, that are there to be the foundation, that are there to be a part of whatever is next for the history of this franchise, or the guys who clearly do not want to be there anymore. On the defensive side of the football, despite the guys who did not play, Xavier Woods, J.C. Horn, et cetera, et cetera, Frankie Luvu, we saw fight. We saw a lot of guys. Brian Burns was fighting. Derek Brown was fighting. These guys were fighting to come up with the result. On the offensive side of the football, not as much. There were some guys that were fighting. I suspect that when the PFF grades drop, we're going to be pretty happy once again with the offensive line who could have been damaged much more than they were. We obviously saw what happened with Robbie Anderson. We're going to get into that here in just a moment. We don't know what the future holds for Baker Mayfield. We did see Sam Darnold out on the field in pregame dropping back, throwing passes, like he's getting closer to coming back. Is he going to be a part of it? We don't know the answers to that, but there were some guys that you could point at and go, those guys got fight. They're bringing something to the table. They are not rolling over. And at the end of the day, while Steve Wilkes had been the head coach for four days or five days before he got his first start, I just wanted to know who was going to go out there, who was going to punch who was going to fight, who was going to scrap, who was going to tear and claw. And so I feel like we got a lot of folks that answered that bell. And I feel like we got a handful more that showed you're not committed to being on a bad team and trying to make it good. And that's okay. It's a national football league. You're welcome to go elsewhere and make money. But I feel like we got a good group of guys that put up some fight and showed us that they want to be here when the corner gets turned, regardless of the direction we turn it in. Well, I agree. I think I think fight is the uh, is the word there, and we'll be addressing someone who really wanted to fight literally, literally uh, a little bit later. But yeah, I mean from from the beginning of the. Uh, when the Panthers got the ball, first of all, they started doing some things, again, that we talked about. They started running the ball and running the ball aggressively, and it looked like everyone was being aggressive on the team offensively. But you have limitations with P.J. Walker in there. You absolutely do, and to a degree where the defense finally caught up against Carolina eventually because they knew that P.J. wasn't really going to throw the ball especially downfield. So they started crowding the box and started trying to take away the run, which they eventually did. But, I mean, again, the spark of this team, 
for as long as he's on this team is Christian McCaffrey. When he touches the ball, it's magic. And he touched the ball, and it was magic. And then he wasn't the only one touching the ball. You got the other running backs involved. Um, I, I just there was there was an energy to the beginning of this game, and which lasted a lot longer than I thought it would. An excitement of you know just because we don't have our coach here doesn't mean that we don't want to win. And it wasn't a let's tank for whoever. It was they were out there playing and they were trying to win to the point where they had the defending champs on the ropes and were winning. Uh, you mentioned PJ going down the field, and that brought. I'm glad you said that because it brought up something I wanted to talk about. I went after the game because I felt the same way. I'm like, I, I, I felt like, and again, it's it's PJ Walker. I, I I don't exactly know entirely what we were expecting there. Uh, I went to go look at the passing chart, and I found the passing chart. And even knowing that we didn't really push the ball down the field, I was still kind of surprised by it. Right. PJ Walker ended that game 10 of 16 for 60 yards, no touches, no picks before he, uh, you know, got the shot to the noggin and had to get bumped out. 10 of 16. Of those 10 passes, this kind of blew my mind, Lonzo. It might you as well. We'll see. Of those 10 passes, one of them was beyond the line of scrimmage. One, one pass was beyond the line of scrimmage. That one pass was one yard beyond the line of scrimmage. If you only counted in this game passes that were complete past the line of scrimmage and did not count yak, did not count yards after catch, P.J. Walker finished this game 10 of 16 for a single yard, right? 10 of 16 for a single yard down the field. You know what? I am not not surprised by, by that at all because, like I said, I figured it out early. The defense figured it out. We all figured it out early. He was not throwing the ball. Yeah. He was not going to do that. So uh, the question is, why not? I, I mean, because he started a couple games last year. Do they have that little confidence in P.J. Walker where they just decided? Uh, or would it would this have been the game plan no matter who the quarterback was? I, I can't say that it was, right? Like, I can't say I mean, say I want him to run the ball, but, you know, you got to yeah, do some like, other just run it. Don't yeah. throw it to make somebody. Run. Yeah, yeah. Got to do some other stuff too. So I will start with saying this, and this is something we have talked about on this pod many times. It's something I think both of you and I have said both on this pod and on our show, the Rob Brown Show, which airs nine to noon weekdays. Then you can find it at thefanupstate.com or free on the Odyssey app. Uh, there comes a point. Well, you got to let players play. You got to let players, you got to cater to the talents of players. You've got to let players do what players do. That's that's part of what Zoe has been screaming all season with run the damn ball. Like, put it in the hands of Christian McCaffrey and let him do Christian McCaffrey things if you want to win. I'm not trying to sit here and say that P.J. Walker is an exceptionally accurate quarterback. He's not. If he was, he'd be a starting NFL quarterback somewhere. There's only a handful of them that are that are even starters. What I am saying, at some point, you got to turn him loose. And, and, and there was the perfect opportunity for this. On the first drive of the game, Carolina was moving the ball. In fact, I, th- I think the, the, the first miscue that popped up was Shy Smith took a screen pass off the right-hand side where he had a caravan out front of him, 
and he just dropped the ball because he turned his head up the field before he had secured the football and was looking to make a move. He dropped the ball. But even outside of that, that let's dink and duck, let's throw it behind the line of scrimmage, mixing in some runs, that will be just fine. And it worked on the first drive. But this is the National Football League. There are cats over there wearing uh, visors and carrying tablets who get paid mucho dinero in order to look at what's happening on the field and go, here's how we let that not happen anymore. And LA did that. Once they adjusted, we didn't change anything, right? And in a case like that, what you'd like to see is, all right, we dinked and dunked them the first drive. Then they switched up their defense to stop us from completing successfully those little passes behind the line. So what should you do in that case? Adjust the offense in a meaningful way. Start taking shots down the field. Start running guys across the middle. Start creating different adjustments to respond to what their defense did. And frankly, Zoe, we did not do that. We just kept rolling the same offense even after their defense showed us that they are prepared to stop we were going to do. We either A, could not adjust, or B, did not want to adjust. Either way, it failed us. All right, so the first thing I you know, I thought of when this started happening, would this have been any different if Matt Rule were there? Uh, because you're, you're, you're what, minus like three coaches that were there a week ago? Uh, Matt Rule plus a couple of defensive guys. Uh, would it have been any different? I'm not, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that the adjustments would have happened, and that's – that doesn't look good on Wilkes. But again, in his defense, though, you know, you find out what it was. It was a Monday or Tuesday. You find out that that you are the guy now. It will take a while to implement how you want to do things, and he had made changes already. But one of the major things is you have to make adjustments. And is this a McAdoo thing? Uh, because he's the one who has to make the adjustments on on offense. And we know he hasn't done that all year, so why would he do this now? You know, we uh, we I don't talked. have a crusade against McAdoo, although I do. I was gonna say, yeah, you do. It's okay. It's a thinly veiled one. Uh, you know, you, you kind of have to look at McAdoo here. And I've seen a lot of folks that have been on Twitter, social media, Reddit, whatever, talking about why is McAdoo still there, right? Like, why why is McAdoo? In this spot, and and I explained this in the last pod, and I'll run it back real quick right here. The reason is very simple. Who else, right? Steve Wilkes is not an offensive coordinator, and he knows that. I think he knows his strengths and his weaknesses. Steve Wilkes is not an offensive coordinator. I don't know who on that staff you would think is ready to be promoted to an offensive coordinator role. So the question would be, who else? There's no chance of bringing in another offensive coordinator for a couple of reasons. Number one, your offense is stagnant, and even if they believe they were able to turn the corner, uh, they would have to do so with the talent that's on the field, and especially now with what happened with Robbie Anderson. Again, we'll get to that coming up in the next section of the pod. It's not a great look. Number two, if they do come in, they come in under the knowledge that Steve Wilkes is an interim head coach who is auditioning for the job. And if they were to take a role as offensive coordinator under Steve Wilkes and he does not get the job, guess where that new OC is come February? The unemployment line. Again, nobody's going to take the job that they know that there's a better than average chance they would get fired from. And anybody you want to take the job, 
that's qualified to take the job already has another job, and if they don't, wouldn't want yours, right? So it's not that you just don't have, unfortunately, a ton of options to move in that direction right now. So you're kind of stuck with what you got. And what we've got right now is, I think, an OC and Ben McAdoo who rolls a certain play sheet. He, he rolls a certain scheme into a game, and if it doesn't go well, he doesn't adjust, right? He just goes, we're going to keep going. We're just going to keep doing this. It's like banging your head against a brick wall thinking that's the best way to get to the other side of it and not stopping once you've given yourself a concussion, which is exactly how I felt like I exactly what I felt I had after watching that offense uh, later in the game get repeatedly shut down trying the same things over and over. I felt like I was banging my head into a brick wall. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Views from Mint Street podcast, available where major podcasts are found on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Google Play, on Apple iTunes, or free on the Odyssey app. You can put the Odyssey app on your phone, on your digital devices, and every single time we drop a new episode, every Monday, every Wednesday, every Friday, it's going to go ping. Lonzo and Rob have a lot of smart things to say about the Panthers, and you should listen. It's not going to be that detailed of a message, but you get the point. You get the point. It could be. It might be. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's talk about this Robbie Anderson fiasco. Robbie Anderson, about midway through the game, was spotted sitting by himself on a Gatorade cooler, away from the wide receivers, away from the wide receiver coaches, with his baseball cap on, lean forward, a super relaxed, um, not involved post. And then Robbie Anderson had some more words for his wide receiver coach. And then Steve Wilkes had some words for him. Predominantly the words, get off of my field. You are not welcome here anymore. You are not part of this team for the remainder of the day. So Robbie Anderson got, uh, we'll say, ostracized, sent to the locker room. He got Antonio Brown off the field, off the team for the day. Steve Wilkes was having none of it, and he got sent back. He's like, hey, man, why don't you uh, why don't you take it to the locker room, dude? Why don't you go hit the showers, get yourself a nice little relaxing uh, uh, few minutes off, right? We got this. Well, Robbie Anderson on social media for the past 24 hours has been, and I understand, defending himself, right? In fact, uh, an NFL analyst put up a picture of Robbie after the first fight but before the second. 
The entire wide receiver core is sitting on the bench together. You got the wide receiver coaches in front of them. They got the tablets. They got the play sheets. They're kind of going over everything. They're kind of running up the new tactics, what they're going to shift up, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's Robbie sitting on a Gatorade cooler behind the rest of the team all by himself, just chilling, hanging out. And Robbie wrote back. He said, sorry, I didn't know I had assigned seating. I was just trying to stay in the zone, which is hilarious for a guy that ended the day with zero catches. But let's, for the sake of argument, say that it was the scheme and it wasn't the fact that Robbie wasn't trying. Let's just say it was that for the sake of a discussion, right? Well, uh, I can't speak for everybody. I can't walk a mile in everybody's shoes, but. What I can tell you is, in situations where Rob Brown has been benched, whether it's been in athletics or in a professional setting, when Rob Brown gets benched, Rob Brown has a couple of things in the product in the protocols, in the process. Step one is, uh, why? Why am I benched, right? What did I do wrong? What did I not do well enough? Why am I benched? And then step two for Rob Brown is to figure out what Rob Brown could be doing better To not get benched again in the future. You know, talking to the people who made the decision. Talking to the people that I was interacting with around the time the decision was was getting made. To find out what happened, what went wrong, and how can I, you know, not do that again. I'll tell you what my reaction has never been. And again, I don't expect everybody to react like I do the same way I do. But when you get benched on a third down situation, when you are producing zero catches for zero yards on the day, And when your head coach and your wide receiver coach tell you, hey, shove off, go try something new, I'll tell you what Rob Brown's reaction has never been. It has been to isolate himself, to sulk, to disappear, and to refuse to communicate with the people who can make the situation better. You want to be a part of this team, Robbie, or do you not? Because the interaction that he had and the actions that he took during that game that he got booted from Zoe sure did make it seem to me like Robbie Anderson was perfectly fine being Robbie Anderson on his own off to the side. Not exactly the display that I want to see from a guy that wants to convince me that he's in the zone. All right, so my first thought, and this is this is just me. I don't expect anybody else to think this, but my first thought was that he was uh, overly gassy. And here, here's the thing: so when you're when you're when you're overly gassy, you uh you try to you try to separate yourself from you know from everyone else because you don't want them to have to suffer because you are. So that was my first thought. Obviously, that thought was wrong. Um, this was basically a pout fest. At least that's what it looked like. You're not using me. You're not playing me. You don't want me out there. He basically, basically, he Scotty Pippened himself. He he took himself out of it, walked over there, and uh, considers himself, at least from the outside looking in, to be more important than probably what he is. And uh, so he isolated himself, and everything would have been okay. Um, is we would have took it as you know misunderstanding, you know, you know, heated in the. In the heat of battle, you guys are, are have some disagreements. You come back together later. I'm talking about he and his, his coach, and everything's fine. But no, he had to come back over, and he had to say something else. And whatever that something else was was enough for Steve Wilkes to go, okay, you're done. You know, we were talking about this on our show earlier today. And while I would actually accept 
uh, coach, I had the poots, and I was trying not to damage anyone else's uh, uh, nasal cavity. I'm, I'm guessing the coach would accept that also. I would, I would accept that. Uh, that's not what it was. Robbie was unhappy. And, and listen, don't get me wrong, dude. I'm sure it's frustrating to be a wide receiver, to be a wide receiver who believes that you are amongst the best in the NFL, and let's call a spade a spade here. P.J. Walker attempted in six, uh, in, uh, attempted what, 16 passes. Of all 16 of them, a grand total of five of them were beyond the line of scrimmage. A grand total of one of those five was completed, and it was completed for a grand total of a single yard. I understand if you are a wide receiver and you expect to be able to contribute and your starting quarterback throws the ball 16 times, five of them be on the line, one of them complete for a single yard, yeah, you're going to be frustrated. I get it. I understand frustration on the job. Lonzo and I are frustrated on the job many, many times. But you know what doesn't happen? We don't just shut it down, disappear into the office, sit down by our computer monitors, and not talk to anybody to fix it. Heck, last Friday, Lonzo and I had a disagreement about this podcast and about something that needed to get done. And what did we do? We sat our happy behinds right here in these chairs, and we went, how do we figure this out? How do we move past this so that we can contribute to the discussion in a meaningful way? And it took us about 30 minutes, and we figured it the heck out, and we moved on, right? That's what you do in a professional setting. Dude, if you don't want to be here, that is fine. I got to tell you right now, I'm even okay if Robbie Anderson comes out and says I don't want to be here because I'll tell you his value right now. If we decide to put Robbie Anderson on the trade block, dude, if we get a mid-round pick for this guy, I'll be thrilled. If we get a fourth, fifth round pick for this guy, I will be stunned. I will be happy and pleasantly surprised. Reality, I'm looking at a sixth, maybe a seventh round pick for this guy. That's where he is, and this didn't help him. It didn't help us, right? If you're a contender, if you're a Buffalo, if you're an L.A., if you're a Green Bay, and you're going, you know, we we need a number two wide receiver. We need another guy we can send out there and trust to run the right route and be consistent with his hands. Robbie Anderson is not attractive to you right now after what happened on the sideline. Bro, if you don't want to be here, don't be here. Let's just get a six for this guy and move him in the draft next year. We need to bolster that. That's why I believe, and I'll say this, and we'll talk about this coming up in the next segment. That is why I believe that CMC has no moss for the Carolina Panthers within the next three or four weeks. We will trade CMC because the picks he is worth are worth more than he is when the rebuild is going to take the rest of this season and maybe next, depending on the coaching hire, Robbie. What you said, what you did, how you acted yesterday makes you about a sixth-round pick value, and frankly, I think I outvalue the pick. Yeah, that's the thing. He hurt himself more than he hurt anybody else. I mean, it makes the team look bad, but the team's only had one victory. You can't look a whole lot worse than that. But you make yourself— Oh, don't tempt us. You make yourself look really bad because basically, right now— you know, if the rumors are that true, any of them are true, that uh, that the Panthers are shopping people around, well, then this is basically a job interview because you know that you might actually be somewhere in the realm of being as good as you think you are. And if you are, then you're going to be one of those pieces that's going to get moved. 
you need to be me more valuable than what you're making yourself out to be because if the Panthers go, okay, you're only willing to give us this for him, well, we'll just deal with the headache of keeping him. So if you really want out of there, you go out there, you play your butt off, and then you got a better shot of leaving. The other problem, and this is going to be a problem when these discussions ramp up, and I expect that they will be ramping up in the next few weeks. The other problem that you have is that we got a lot of dead cat money tied up in Robbie Anderson right now. Like 20 million over or 10 or 20 million over the next two years. I forget the number off the top of my head, but it's a lot of dead cat money that we will have to eat against the cap even if we trade Robbie Anderson. And I, I, I get that. I understand that, right? Like somebody else is going to pick up like a half million dollar salary for this year for Robbie Anderson. And there's going to be a lot of dead money on us. And I get that. But here's the thing. The dead money is irrelevant if you're getting dead effort out of the guy, right? The dead money's irrelevant if Robbie Anderson is not going to do anything. I would rather have the dead cap money and a pick that we maybe can turn into something than have a guy that's going to loaf out there and get into fights with his position coach, get into fights with his head coach, and gets kicked off the team. Now, all of that being said, I said this a minute ago, I'm going to say it again. I understand the frustration from Robbie Anderson. What I don't agree with, except, is the reaction to it. I get it. I get it. This is, I mean. Yeah, there ain't nobody on this team happy, happy with the situation. Correct. correct. So you need to look around. These are your guys. This, this should be your family, your coworkers. Why are you saying you're better than them as far as you're saying your reaction is warranted when no one else is doing that but you? If there is anybody on this team that I think deserved to be throwing helmets around, to be ticked off, it's DJ Moore, right? Three catches, seven yards. One of one of those three catches were for five yards. If anybody would have the right to do that, 100%, I think it would be uh, DJ Moore. It's got to be. I would have no – I would get it. Frustration's real. But you don't see CMC, a guy going for 89 receiving yards and 69 rushing yards doing that. You don't see Ian Thomas, who had a really good touchdown earlier in the year and hasn't been utilized in the red zone since then doing this. You don't see uh, Dante Foreman slinging his helmet around because he's getting five carries and very rarely being used for the reason he was brought to Charlotte. You don't see anybody else doing what Robbie Anderson's doing right now. I understand being upset by the way this offense is producing. As Lonzo just very accurately pointed out, you know who is else you know who else is upset about the offense working the way it's working? Freaking everybody. Every other teammate that you have, every coach on the sideline, every fan in the stands, everybody is upset about this offense. Now, that leads to another question that we're going to talk about here in just a second. And that question is, is Ben McAdoo tank commanding, right? Is, is he is he genuinely hamstringing the offense to eat a couple more L's and get the first round first overall pick, which is, by the way, as of today, where we would pick in the draft if it happened today? Or is, just, is this just the best the dude's got? And we'll address that coming up in the next segment. But... In a game where I wanted to see, all my expectations were, I want to see who's putting up a fight, who wants to be here, who wants to be on this team when it takes the next step next year, regardless of who the head coach is. 
and who don't want to be here no more? And Robbie answer Robbie Anderson answered that question for us very loudly, very loudly. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, we got a few more minutes here on the Views from Mint Street podcast. Rob Brown, Lonzo Reitzel with you. You, of course, can pick up the Views from Mint Street podcast. If this is your first episode with us, do us a favor. Like and subscribe to it. Make sure you download every episode wherever major podcasts are found on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google Play, on Apple iTunes, or free on the Odyssey app. It will notify you every time we drop a new episode. Go on in, download it, listen to it, and engage in the conversation with us. You can find me on Twitter at the Rob Brown Show. You can find Lonzo on Twitter at Lonzo on Word. Make sure you are engaged in the conversation with us. And if you got a Panthers fan in your life and you want them to have a little bit more football to look forward to, make sure you let them know about the views from Mint Street Podcast as well. So. The question that I had about midway through the third quarter yesterday, so the offense is stagnant. It's doing the same things regardless of failure. Einstein's definition of insanity, so the rumor goes. And I got to think into myself. You know, I I, I am not necessarily pro-tank, but I'm not necessarily anti-tank either. Right, like I kind of fall in the middle, and I know it's a topic that really only has two sides, do or do not. There is no try. Um, the first overall pick in the draft next year, if we get it, great. If we don't, we don't. I don't want to go any further down than second. And the reason why is if Matt Corral did not come out and establish himself as a roster-ready backup quarterback I don't know that Matt Corral's the guy that can be the next quarterback, which then leads me to believe we got to be looking for the next quarterback in the next draft. And there's a few of them, predominantly Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. Uh, you got the kid from Kentucky as well, Levis. There are some options out there from guys that are NFL-ready quarterbacks that I think you could plug in as a rookie. And, you know, kind of give them the Trevor Lawrence. Hey, you're going to have one year and it's going to be tough, but this is a learning year. Your two's where we expect you to kind of turn that corner and get pointed in the right direction. We cannot, if we want one of those guys, fall any further down than number three in the draft, right? Number three is the worst we can be. So the question here that I had was, is this Ben McAdoo driving the tank? Is he a tank commander right now? Or, and I think it's a fair question to ask, Is this just the best he can do? Now, I lean towards saying it's not the best he can do because as I've pointed out on this pod multiple times before this episode, when Ben McAdoo was the OC at New York, he took over a team that was 28th, 27th in the league in offensive production. Then in year two, they were 17th. And then in year three, they were inside the top 10 in offensive production. He was the OC. At that point. So I'd like to think he can do better. 
but I'm kind of running out of reasons to believe why. And I understand he, as the offense is as a whole, is a bit hamstrung by talent. You don't necessarily have the full playbook available when P.J. Walker is your quarterback. But, my goodness, we tried nothing to adjust in this game. Even when it got to the point that I'm like, hey, we we kind of got a shot in this one, right? We did nothing to change. So, is he orchestrating a tank, or is he really just that incapable of being the offense? All right, so one of the first things that comes to mind for me, and I thought of this yesterday, was, first of all, where are all the Baker haters at right now? Because if Baker Mayfield was in there, I'm trying to think, would they have won that game? Did they? Would they have had a better shot at it? I, I guarantee you one thing they would have done, they would have thrown past the line of scrimmage with Baker in there. Would it? Would he have thrown some errant balls? Yeah, he would have because he's been doing that all season. But there are also, if you look back at every game Baker was in there, there are certain series that he looked like Baker, and he looked good. The ball was coming out crisp. It was hitting the receivers where it needed to. If you if you had that Baker yesterday, combined with what they were doing in the running game, they probably win that game. Um, but. I don't think this is all McAdoo. I do think it's what you were saying earlier. I think it has to do with the cupboard to a certain degree. I do think it's funny that – so the question – the the other question is, were they running the ball yesterday because they didn't have Baker or Sam Darnold? Is that why they were running the ball? Or would they have done that for, if for they the, had that the record, quarterback? For the record, you say running the ball. So we ran the ball 21 times, right? Like – We've seen, and granted, when you can't convert third downs, we had a first down in the first quarter, and then our next first down did not come what till what midway through the third quarter. Granted, when drives are more often three and outs than they're not, you're not going to get a bunch of plays. But we ran but the th- ball. Th- those pass plays times. were those pass plays were basically run plays. You've already said that. So, so to me, there are more run plays. That basically the whole game were was run plays when there was passing over. Over five yards, pretty much is it's an interception or it's an incompletion. Um, I will also say this: we ran thirty-four offensive plays, thirty-four, twenty-one rushes, thirteen carries. That's not good enough. It's not enough. It tells me a few things. Number one. It tells me that you're not converting first downs, which we already knew we weren't, right? We already knew we weren't. Number two, it tells me that you were allowing the Rams to go on long, sustained drives. You were allowing them to own the possession, which, look, I'm not telling you anything we didn't already know about this football team. This has been the M.O. But, Zoe, the other thing it tells me is you kind of had to create these uh, screens in place of run because you had to throw the ball because you found yourself where you were playing from behind. Dude, we were up at the half. See, this this plays into a certain degree what you're talking about, about basically tanking. Is, is, is McAdoo driving the tank? I think we find this out in the next couple weeks depending on the uh, severity of Baker's ankle problem. And, and the return of Sam Darnold. And the return of Sam Darnold. If we don't see them anytime soon, 
If they slowly bring them back or don't bring them back at all, then it's a tank. You might not be wrong. Uh, We have what? We've got at, excuse me, home for Tampa this Sunday. Then we're at Atlanta. Then we're at Cincinnati. Then we're home for Atlanta. Dig this schedule. We're back home on the 23rd for Tampa Bay. Now, three weeks ago, I'd have been like, hey, that's a butt kicking. But Tampa just lost to a bad Pittsburgh team. Right, who's only got to win more than we do? A yes, bad Pittsburgh and Brady's team. talking about how they're just not playing well anywhere. Yeah, they're just uh, Tampa's not good right now. Are they beatable by us? Eh, on our absolute best day, maybe, maybe. And depending on who's back at quarterback, then we got to go to Atlanta again. Another team that my views flipped around. This is a team that a couple of weeks ago I would have said, "Boom, you got to go get that win, right? You got to go with that win." The Mercedes-Benz Dome is an easy place to play. But, well, ladies and gentlemen, breaking news on the pod. How about this? Now we got to get this episode quick. Uh, apparently, according to Adam Schefter, Robbie Anderson, speaking of that, my goodness, how is Tepper listening to this pod before we've even released it? Robbie Anderson is an Arizona Cardinal now. Breaking news, Robbie Anderson is now an Arizona Cardinal. It looks like Marquise Brown could be out for the year. The Cardinals needed to make a move. So according to Ann Rappaport, the Cardinals and Adam Schefter, the Cardinals have made a trade. <clears throat> what did I say he was going to be worth, Lonzo? Uh, the fifth or sixth round. Panthers traded wide receiver Robbie Anderson to the Cardinals in exchange for a sixth round pick in 2024. Oh, we got a seventh rounder in 25 too. So two late round picks. I said a mid to late. Or, or a couple of lates. I said that on the show this morning. You get a couple of lates. A six-rounder in 2024. A seventh-rounder in 2025. Robbie Anderson got Antonio Brown off of the Panthers. How about that? The next day. The next day. I think that's, that, I think that's kind of a record. Oh, that's dude, some kind of record. That means they were on the phone yesterday. That means they were on the – actually, it probably means that they have been on the phone. Yeah, they were already, they were already talking yeah. to him. They had been on the phone listening to answers for Robbie Anderson, that they had had a conversation with the Cardinals, and then once yesterday happened, they were like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Just give us whatever. Just give us whatever. we got to make this move. Just give us whatever. So Robbie Anderson gets Antonio Brown's – off of the uh, off of the Carolina Panthers, he is now an Arizona Cardinal, and we have one fewer wide receiver. Although yesterday his contributions were the same as not having him on the roster. Yeah, so so you you lose a headache to a degree, and you know before the season started, he was already you know he was talking stuff about Baker Mayfield, and there were some other things. So so the potential for him to be a headache was already there. Um. So now he gets to go there and they can use him. Uh, he can get frustrated with Kyler Murray because he's going to. He's going to get frustrated because I was watching things earlier today and they were saying the problem with Kyler Murray is he has no receivers. Well, he just picked another one up. We'll see what he's able to do with that. So it means roster spots open too. What sure do you does. use that spot for? Do you grab another receiver from somewhere or do you grab another quarterback? Uh, I am happy I'm not Scott Fitterer right now. I'm going to say that. I'm happy. I'm not. Listen, it was the right move, right? Robbie very clearly was upset and did not want to be there. But it, it also sends a message. If, 
if you're combative with your coaches and you isolate yourself and you go over and pout, you're going to get absolutely what you want. Dude, you're either in or you're out. Here's the thing. You're either in or you're out. Uh, you know, this is this is one thing that's been, I think, uh, I, I've kind of not laughed at. It's kind of amused me in the NBA for a number of years is how mad people get when NBA players force their way off of a team, force their way into a trade, right? And people are like, oh, you know, that's not how. Okay, well, that's how it's done now. And these, But here's the thing. It's the same conversation I've had with people who get mad about the transfer portal in college football. Do you want a guy on your team who doesn't want to be there? Do you want somebody working for you, with you, under you, around you who doesn't want to be there? I'll tell you straight up. I have had people in this industry that did not want to be where they were working for a station I worked for. And it was easier. Lonzo, you know this. Sometimes it's just easier to do the damn thing yourself than it is to have somebody do it that doesn't want to be there and be a part of it. I I get what you're saying that you kind of let it like it kind of feels like players now have more power than the team does. Uh, They do. They do. They have control over their own future, just like you and I and everybody listening to this pod does. You have control over where you work, how much you get paid to work there, et cetera, et cetera. Robbie, if you don't want to be a Panther, congratulations, dude. You're not anymore. You're not our headache. You're not our problem. And now you go find somebody who wants. What does this mean? More touches for Shy. More touches for Marshall. More touches for some of the young cats that we get a chance to, as I've already said, the rest of this year is, Lonzo, help us determine who and what the foundation is for Steve Wilkes or whoever is wearing the smock next year. I think it also shows uh, desperation for, from Arizona. So on t- seeing how all this played out with Robbie Anderson and how public all this is and how you know they pointed out you're still willing to bring him in. So I, I think it's a, a point of de- more of the desperation move on Arizona's move, uh, I mean on Arizona's part, than it is on Carolina's. Uh, the other question is, is this just the beginning of parts being moved? Are we going to start seeing uh, more moves happen in the next couple of days, the Panthers shipping guys out? I personally hope not. I, I hope they don't. Uh, but uh, so this move is kind of understandable from the degree that you you get rid of a headache who wasn't really producing anyway, right? Uh, but does this do do we uh, break news that that Christian McCaffrey's gone? That Brian Burns are go- uh, are we going to be doing that? I hope not. You know, it's it's we, I said this earlier in the show. The fact that Robbie Anderson was moved so quickly, right? Robbie Anderson was moved tw- less than. Less than 24 hours after this game. Hell, less than 24 hours after the start of the game, Robbie Anderson gets moved. What that tells me is that the Panthers had already had a discussion with the Cardinals. They already knew what was on the table as an offer. They already knew how it was going to play. They already had this discussion. And when everything busted up yesterday the way that it did, the Panthers were like, you know what, just pull the trigger, just be done with it. That also tells me that the Panthers know the guys that they're willing to part with, and they know the guys they're willing to move on from in order to bank some resources for later on. Robbie was clearly in that group. It also, I feel safe to assume 
there are other guys on this team that are in that camp, right? Other guys that the Panthers can go, okay, we can unload some salary here. We can open up some roster spots and we can acquire some draft picks all at the same time by cutting this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy. And if they stick around, great. And if they don't and we can get some resources, that's also great. We're good either way. But the speed that Robbie was released at tells me the Panthers have already been ringing phones and having their phones be rung about certain guys. That's why I said earlier in the pod, and I'll say again, uh, keep an eye on CMC because five weeks from now, he will not be a Carolina Panther anymore. Watch. How dare you put that bad mojo out there in the universe, What's it matter? Rob Brown? It What's does it matter. Ma- it does matter. It, it matters for the the few people that are still showing up to Carolina Panther games. You take Christian McCaffrey off that team; those guys ain't coming either. Oh, I, I again, I understand, and this is why I said this on the Carolina Kickoff Show on Sunday. People need to remember, butts and seats is irrelevant to the NFL. If it was relevant to the NFL, the NFL wouldn't have made it out of the COVID year. They did an entire season without a single butt in a single seat. It's a little unfair because every sport had to do that. Correct, and a lot of sports suffered. The NFL didn't really suffer. Why? Because of TV contracts. The Panthers' primary revenue generator is the NFL's TV contracts. It doesn't matter if the Panthers go one and fifteen or one and sixteen or two and fifteen. It doesn't matter. What matters is how are you setting up for next year? Can you do something to spark some energy for next year to make a run? And CMC is more valuable in terms of trade picks than he is as a running back for that cause. Anything else you want to get in here before we take off for the day? So, yes, I uh, I disagree, disavow all kinds of things. If there was a way for me, well, there is, to erase everything Rob Brown just said, <laughs> I would do such a thing. Christian McCaffrey's still going to be on this team when we do our next podcast. Oh, I think he will. One after that's a little more questionable. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Alonzo Wright. So my name is Rob Brown. We appreciate you guys listening. Again, the Views from Mid Street podcast available where major podcasts are found. Make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you download every episode and make sure you tell all your fellow Panthers fans all about it so we can continue driving this conversation forward. The next pod will drop, of course, on Wednesday, our midweek pod, where we will take a look at injuries, at transactions, ahem, ahem, at whatever other moves get made between now and then. We look forward to talking to you on Wednesday. Have a phenomenal rest of your week, ladies and gentlemen. For Lonzo Reitzel, I'm Rob Brown. This is the Views from Mid Street Podcast. Keep pounding, baby. <laughs>